Good to have you. Bill Michaels Show. Hour number four. And we continue on. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Love to hear from you, as always. So if you want to uh, give us a shout, you can. Uh, we'd we'd uh, take your comments and such. Uh, give us a shout. Get you on the air. Or uh, you can continue following us over on uh, um you can follow us on the, the live stream, uh, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or what have you. You can always email the program as well, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. So there you go. Good stuff. Um, let's see here. Uh, what else do we have? we got all kinds of stuff. Uh, Dennis says, as we all know, LaFleur loves analytics. Maybe we can use analytics to get him to wake up and admit that the facts prove that Joe Barry is incompetent with zero chance of improving. Hopefully the facts will convince him to immediately fire Barry. Somebody reading this, please have an analytics geek analyze the following. Barry has been incompetent, low-rated defensive coordinator his entire career. What are the odds that this year he's going to transform a defense into a top 10 as far as the defensive coordinators go? Also, his run defense while in Green Bay has been pathetic at best. What are the odds that this year he's going to transform the run game defense into a top 10 unit? I doubt that either are going to happen. I think we can all agree that Barry is becoming a top-level defensive coordinator or him developing into a top 10 uh, uh, defensive coordinator is astronomical. Uh, what's sad is that LaFleur was presented with the odds against Barry or his defense improving, and we already know the answer. So you think there's a chance. If LaFleur keeping Barry wasn't so embarrassing to the team and organization, it would be funny. That is from Dennis. Dennis, appreciate the uh, appreciate the email. Um, the defense it, right now is ranked, I think, like 18th, 17th or 18th when I looked at it via Pro Football Focus through the first couple of weeks. Uh, better against the pass than the run. And uh, now I have not sat down and, and – I was going to do that later on today, but um, I have not sat down with every grade and, um, you know, premium statistics, so to speak. But I, I do know one thing. Uh, when you look at the defense overall right now, the Green Bay Packers rank 17th. Uh, I'm just kind of giving you some of the statistics here. The Green Bay Packers rank 17th. They rank 25th against the run. 25th against the run. When it comes to their pass rush, they're 10th overall. They're getting pressure. Uh, and they have gotten some sacks. When it comes to their coverage, uh, Packers uh, pass coverage, they are ranking ninth right now in the National Football League. So overall defense, they rank 17th. And their run defense, which was their Achilles heel last year, ranks them at 25th overall in the National Football League. Um and you look at some of the defenses, I, I, oddly enough, Indianapolis has the best run defense right now, as graded out by Pro Football Focus, followed by the Eagles, the Ravens, the Falcons, uh, the Jaguars, the Cowboys, uh, the Jets, uh, the Patriots, the Cleveland Browns, and the Tennessee Titans. So uh, the sad part about it is is the Chicago Bears, their run defense is pretty solid. They're, they ranked 11th overall. Uh, the Bears, defensively speaking, overall are ranked 25th. Now, offensively, when you look at some of these teams and you think, okay, where do the Packers mix in? Because they got to be better offensively. Actually, they're not. They're ranked 18th overall. 18th. 18th overall the Packers are. Right now they are ranked 24th in the pass game. 
24th. And when it comes to running the football, uh, the Packers are ranked 20th. 20th in running the football. So uh, when you got a team that's ranking below 15th in both sets of categories, you are what you are. You're one and one, and you're trying to struggle to get back to the top spot, and you're going to have to have much better performances. But um, I'll say this. Uh, again, this goes back to the Joe Barry uh, analytics. What you don't account for is a dropped interception by Quay Walker, a dropped interception by, um, you know, Jair Alexander, a, you know, over complete overrun of the play by Rashawn Gary that allows Ritter to run into the end zone. Um, so there, there are some gaffes there that you can look at. Um, but, you know, I mean, when you're getting gashed in the run game, consistently and you're looking at a guy like B. John Robinson and everybody wants to talk about B. John Robinson being a tremendous running back. And I'm not arguing that point, but when you're running two defensive tackles out there and you're spreading them out between the guards and the tackles and the middle of the field is kind of left vacant. And that's where B. John Robinson is running. (laughs) You don't need to be a mathematician or a defensive coordinator to go. If you don't have anybody there, you're not going to stop the run. So philosophically speaking, yeah, they, there are some issues with Joe Barry's defense, but uh, just uh, it's just a little perspective. That's all. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Uh, Thomas says, uh, let's see here. He said, how great, how great would it be? How great would it be? Uh, if the uh, Packers were in the competition for the division near the end of the season, after all that has happened in the last couple of seasons to compete for the division and know that you have a good NFL quarterback would be amazing. Uh, It would be fantastic if that happened. It would be awesome. Uh, Michael says so many people are so hard on Joe Barry, he is not the one out there missing tackles. No, but that's not consistent. Uh, you can look at things philosophically speaking, Michael, and just say, okay, that's just not right. That's not what I would be running. Now, as Matt LaFleur put uh, the other day uh, in his Monday presser, he said, look, uh, you know, we were in this particular defense, and they checked out of it. They checked out of what they were going to do. We had the good defense called for what it is they were going to run, but they checked out of it. So I understand that. But, you know, I – it's it's always been a chess game. Sometimes, look, sometimes you just got to put players in positions to make plays, and then it's up to the players. I 100% agree with you. And I, th- I really think, okay, at this point, you also then begin to ask yourself. You've got Devontae Wyatt's second year, Quay Walker's second year, Kenny Clark, he's been a pro bowler, right? T.J. Slayton, who's kind of a, a college free agent. They picked him up, big-bodied guy. You know, they liked him, put him in the middle. Okay. Not a bad way to go. You know, he was actually, I think, what was it? He wasn't a college free agent. I think he was like, what, a fifth-round draft choice, something like that. But he he wasn't a highly, highly touted guy. You got Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Your backups on the defensive front are rookies. Okay? They're rookies. Lucas Van Ness is a rookie. Right? Uh, Ingabari was a fifth-round draft choice. Backing up, what, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary being a first-round guy. We all know the first-rounders that are on this team. You just wonder how good the first-rounders are and if this team has the talent that you expect it to have. 
That's where you start. If you really believe that you have talent, then you have to go and say, okay, if we've got all the talent in the world, then why is the talent not coming together? That's when you start to look at coaching, right? But you've got, what, five, six rookies, defensively speaking. You've got um, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, Van S. Carrington Valentine, who played really well as a seventh-round draft choice, but still he's a seventh-round draft choice. Anthony Johnson Jr., also a seventh-round draft choice. And then the uh, the college free agent, uh, Brenton Cox, Brenton Cox Jr. They picked him up. you got six guys on that defense that are all rookies. Everybody else that's there has is, is been there. So you got to believe you've got talent on the field. And if it's not the, if it's not the talent on the field, then what do you look at? A guy that has to bring it all together. That's when you start to look at Joe Barry. So, yeah, I agree that it has to go hand-in-hand, and you can't blame Barry for everything. But he becomes really the – because of his track record, he was already coming into this situation with a target on his back, without a doubt. Uh, Let's go to Jerry. Jerry, welcome to the program the Bill Michael Show. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hi, Bill. Um, I always do it uh, through Facebook or whatever. I'm doing it Uh the old-fashioned way today. I'm calling in. Okay. Hey. My uh, the uh, my issue is with the Bears and Justin Fields and before that Mitch Trubisky. I mean, they take these young guys. I know they pay them a lot of money, but they throw them right to the wolves. There's no mentoring. They don't give them a little chance to, you know, get caught up to the professional game. I know there's some exceptions to that, but most of these really good quarterbacks who make it out of the gate usually are surrounded by excellent offensive lines receivers, etc. I think the Bears just keep making a mistake of throwing their guys to the Wolves. I don't know. What do you think? No, I would agree. I mean, it did, there is a learning curve now. Also, it depends on the talent that you have. I appreciate the phone call. You, 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 you know, uh, you bring in a guy like Joe Burrow comes in and starts to have success. Um, I mean, every quarterback struggle. Look at a guy like Peyton Manning. He was 3-13 and 13, uh, his first year. You know, quarterbacks struggle. And usually it's because they go to bad teams. And that's what Justin Fields did. He went to a bad team. He's coming in after a horrific display of quarterbacking by Mitch Trubisky. Bad general managing. Bad player personnel decisions. They had a defense that could have really won some games, and they just ignored, uh, you know, how good that defense was and kept sticking with a pathetic offense and a pathetic quarterback. So it's what you – in order for teams to get better, and I agree with you, when you throw these guys to the wolves right away, it, it can be a detriment to them because they can lose their confidence. Uh, but you also find out really quickly what you have, you know? And I'll be honest, I think sometimes, and this is between you and me, but I think sometimes these guys get caught up in, we need a quarterback. So you get you get into the quarterback sweepstakes. And in reality, there's one maybe two that are really ready for the NFL. But because you need somebody, this is what you do. So this is how it happens. You bring in a quarterback. You draft a guy, okay? He may not be the guy you wanted. He may not be the guy that everybody thought was the guy, right? So you draft a quarterback. And then what do you do? You go find a veteran, some retread that had some success, that was a high draft choice, that's a veteran on his way out the door. He'd never achieved the level of success that he was supposed to have. Right? Because you don't have a Hall It's very rare you have a Hall of Famer and you're drafting quarterbacks. So this is what happens. So you draft a quarterback to be your guy. He's, he's your first-round guy. Here it is. He's, he's our guy. And then you go and find a quarterback. 
who never had a lot of success to begin with, but he's a veteran because he's got a name. You bring that guy in, and then he struggles because he never had a lot of success in the National Football League to begin with. So what do the fans do? you got to play the first-rounder. Get him the experience. Let's start him now. And the organization has money invested in him, and so that's what you do. You throw him to the wolves, only to find out that really the guy that you drafted, he's not much better because you didn't get the guy you wanted. Unless, of course, you're talking about a Joey Lawrence or you're talking about a Tua who took a little bit of time to kind of get it going. You know, some of these guys, it took a, a year or so. But what happens is, is then you stick with that guy. You Not only did you find out that he really isn't the smartest knife in the drawer or doesn't have all the ability, but now you stick with him because he's a first-round draft choice. You stick with him, okay? He's got it. He's a first-round draft choice. He's got to pan out, right? No. The, the – the, the pathway to, to success in the National Football League is littered with first-round draft choices that were busts. And you reached on a guy that you had no business reaching on. No business taking because he was not the best available, but that was the position of most need. And you screwed the pooch there. So you take an organization down with that because you stick with the most important player on the field for far too long, and everybody else around him suddenly smells the stench of losing because, you know, this, not, this guy's not going to take us there. So you're just going through the motions and earning a paycheck, and suddenly it starts to deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate. And that's what happens. I know it. I lived it. I watched Cincinnati year after year after year after year take these guys, Jeff Blake and David Klingler, and then they thought Kajana Carter was going to be the running back that was going to take them there, and he was a bust. And then they finally started addressing the offensive line and giving the quarterback time to throw until they could finally find a quarterback. Then they got Joe Burrow. Then they picked up Burrow. They really hadn't had a quarterback since Boomer Esiason prior to that. But they were taking all these guys, number one guy. They were going to be. They were going to be the way, and that's what happens with bad organizations. That's what happens. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. I'm going to talk with uh, Jake and Madison coming up here in just a few more, and we got uh, Clemens coming up. We got a whole bunch of stuff happening. Stay tuned. We are not done. The Bill Michael Show continues to rock on. All coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Stay tuned. We got more. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details, offers end at 9-30-2023.
Good to have you back. Bring him in now, our guy, Mike Clemens, brought to you by our friends at the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Bay Motel, quiet, cozy, comfortable, only a mile from Lambeau Field, and a great place for a family stay. Maybe you're going up there for a, a weekend. They have homestyle cooking seven days a week, by the way, in the Bay Family Restaurant, which you can follow on Facebook and see all the delicious things that they uh, kind of cook up. But call them, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441, or go online at baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com, and uh, see everything for yourself right there. Good stuff. Mike Clemens standing by, and uh, I'll tell you this, Mike, uh, a lot of speculation about David Bakhtiari and company. So, man, oh, man, uh, anything you have at this point I'm sure is interesting to everybody. Okay, well, here's what I got going so far. Uh, we just got off the practice field, the Wednesday practice, beautiful day outside. The team warms up inside the Don Hudson Center, and Aaron Jones is out there uh, working out, warming up with the guys. And you say, oh, maybe maybe he goes back. No, nope. he just did warm-ups with a helmet and, and pants on, and then the rest of the team went out to start individual drills, and then when they start getting the scrimmaging, uh, then the media is released. Christian Watson, though, we saw him make the transition and actually go out and catch some passes in the individual drills. Maybe he'll be limited linebacker rookie linebacker lucas van ness who had an elbow they were looking at his arm during the game he checked out okay uh he probably would be full participation and then the left side of your offensive line you know david bakhtiari and elton jenkins they're in the rehab group jenkins with that sprained mcl that he suffered in the game against the falcons so um let me take uh, everybody through what's just happened the last couple of days uh, as you heard on Bill's postgame show, Matt LaFleur was miffed after that loss. And I can give you a couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, everything that Matt told us and his coaches last week was point on. I mean, in terms of Robinson as, as a runner, uh, what they were going to see from Desmond Ritter, uh, things they like to do from the defense. Jesse Bates, a great player. And, it, what, you know, you didn't, it, it was, it was point, it, their game plan was spot on. And so for that game to slip away the way it did, and essentially, essentially, he was letting you know, our offense didn't get the ball enough in the second half of the game. And the Falcons had the game for the, the ball for 78, 80 plays. And so he's miffed at uh, Joe Barry, unable to stop that run uh, in the second half. Another thing that is kind of an undercurrent, the Falcons fired his guy, Dan Quinn. You know, Dan Quinn was the head coach of the Falcons, hired Matt LaFleur, who helped take you know Matt Ryan, the quarterback, to an MVP season. They lost that game in the final minutes against the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn got you know two more tries at the plate, and Arthur Blank fired him and all of his staff. Because of that trip to the Super Bowl, Matt LaFleur was able to bail out and, and improve himself by going to the Rams with McVay and all that. But I know how much Dan Quinn means to Matt LaFleur, how much he learned under him. And so there's a little juice in that game. And so after the game, on your post-game show, here's what Matt LaFleur, uh, what he was talking about after the game. So Bacciari, was that uh, turf? You're going to, no. I, don't, I, I mean, we all know that Dave's been dealing with this, and so, no. So it could just be a thing where he doesn't play any. Uh, you guys, I, I, I'm not going to get into that. Like, we all know this has been, this is two years now. So I'm not going to get into it. It's probably going to be like this from here on out. 
Mike, uh, that was very quick. I mean, he did not want to talk about that at all, which raised my eyebrow. I mean, normally he goes through all the different, you know, discussions when it comes to, you know, the injuries and such and why guys do or don't play, and he's very comical and collective. But the, the, the Bakhtiari thing seemed to really agitate him. It did. And also, I got news for you. The media is sick and tired of talking about David Bakhtiari's left knee. Uh, but it, it's very interesting. It's got to be frustrating for a coach that you've now got this player. It's supposed to be in his prime who hasn't practiced at all this month but was able to go in the first game against the Bears, and he still does a great job. He's just He is, in fact, uh, he's, got, he's got left tackle down to a science, Bill. I mean, he mm-hmm. just he doesn't get beat. He doesn't get beat, even with this bad you know, outside left, left knee. And then, though, after the game, as you pointed out the next day, there's this little tweet from his older brother, Eric. Eric Bakhtiari was a linebacker for the Titans and then the 49ers, and it was basically a, you know, F-U-N-F-L on artificial turf. Well, what does that mean? Because, of course, it's turf inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium there. Right. So on the next day, then we go to the floor and say, okay, is there something going on here? I'm sure this would be easier on you if Dave would have just talked to us and explained it after the game, but did he not play because it was a turf game or because he had an issue that popped up last week? Well, his knee is injured. I mean, there was swelling, so. If that game's played at Lambeau Field, is he able to play or not? I don't believe so. Just to clarify, is this a... I'm not talking about it. That's it. That's, just to clarify, I'm done talking about it. I'm not talking about it. And Mike, it's, that's just very odd. I mean, you know, he said, I believe so. The knee is the knee is injured. Okay, we all know that. It's been injured. It's It's been problematic. That's the reason he sits out of practice. You're not telling us anything new. I, I, I Again, I... Uh, I mean, I know he says, I believe so. It sounds like he's struggling with words to come up to talk about this. And that, therefore, that's the reason he wants to shut it down because he doesn't want to talk about it anymore because there's something there that he can't say, right? Right. So one minute he's saying, yeah, what we keep telling you, this is a day-to-day situation with this guy's knee. He made a joke a couple of weeks ago, quote, it's a fluid situation. And Bakhtiari said, yeah, I really appreciated that. We've talked to Dave more than ever before. I've had 20-minute conversations with him. I'll tell you, too, David Bakhtiari is getting to the point where, A, he knows this is his last year in Green Bay. He's not sure if he's going to be able to continue to play someplace else next year. He'd like to. He knows he wants to get a Super Bowl. Uh, We've talked a little bit about politics, you know, just things that are going on in the country. And so there's a little whiff of that going on. But last week, you know, a producer tipped me off to this. Hey, did you know that your boy Bakhtiari was just on Rich Eisen's show, and he sent me the tape, and we, you know, had it on your show, and this is what David Bakhtiari was saying a week ago today, about 48 hours after his friend Aaron Rodgers had that cleat get stuck in the turf at MetLife Stadium, and a torn Achilles. This is Bakhtiari a week ago today. 
it's just something that's been weighing heavy on me. You know, playing this game for as long as I have. Uh, when I first got in the league, I didn't know any better. I was just excited to play and run around. And I think you you hear now with the multiple social media platforms and players actually having more of a voice. You're seeing them voice their displeasure with certain surfaces. There's there's definitely not need for it anymore. I, the only thing I can wrap my mind around it is it is aesthetically pleasing for TV and it's borderline. It's a carpet that's nice to put platforms on so you can host other concerts and events easy and not have to clean up and it's fits your bottom dollar better but other than that when we talk about the game and player safety and if we keep advocating player safety and the importance of it it's doing us a disservice it sucks no one enjoys playing on it everyone's too scared to talk about it nfl just be better do something be an advocate for us and help us out i mean you guys are the ones who keep on constructing these stadiums and look at football for its origin we played on grass in rainy days in snow and mud it's fun it's supposed to be meant to be on grass address it quit ignoring it and address it now because if not it's just going to get bigger and bigger i think it's an ongoing conversation i think it's one that the uh, owners don't want to have and i think the only way they do want to have it is during a collective bargaining agreement and i personally don't think there's no place for that why would you even want to wait till then is my first plea out there the second one is of course the owners gonna be like well if the players want it then let's just not do anything and then let's get something for it's like no this is the betterment of everything for the game you're making the game worse jeopardizing all players but even of that you have your upper echelon of really what people come to see and i put aaron up in there and then there's a lot of other guys who you know i'm not going to sit here i don't have it off the top of my head of the guys who have been injured uh playing on artificial turf but like the quality of the game goes down when you don't have your elite players out there lionel messi any any, any service he goes under they're going to usher out brand new grass for him he is that amazing and people want to go see greatness so my whole thing is like okay now look at what we do for a living it already is very chaotic and very violent why are we adding this extra element in there it's the wild west when it comes to that to those surfaces and i think there's just no place for it it's like it's grass man just use grass what like i don't even understand why we're even still at this point like it's football played on grass period uh which i completely understand uh i mean i don't know if it's too late for some of these other places to do it but I understand where he's coming from with that much being said about the turf with that much being said, like you said, when you had a conversation with him on Wednesday and he talked about it further there, you can understand why people raised an eyebrow when all of a sudden, you know, he was seemingly fine on Wednesday and then somewhere between Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he couldn't play anymore. And I take it back to the conversation you and I had coming out of, uh, out of Chicago where he was kind of Mike verbally wagging the finger saying, see, I told you guys, I'm fine. Just keep me healthy for Sunday. I can play. I don't need to practice. And then all of a sudden he can't play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and here's another thing. When you're a player where Bakhtiari is at this point, it's possible some of the things that you say on the record in the, at your locker after a game or whatever on NFL territory, yeah, you can get fined for. But when they come on your show, they do these podcasts, they do a show like that, uh, they seem to have a little bit more leverage. And that's what he's also referring to is that more players are going off, off campus to voice some of those concerns uh, or you know grievances, if you will, uh, whatever. Now, I'm telling you. It's a stretch for me to believe that David Bakhtiari would not be there for his guys if he could be, okay? That's, mm-hmm. that's got to be the bottom line. Um, but when you see these different messages going on, you know, until he changes it, um, why he was, didn't play, and I could tell you, I was 10 feet away from him. I sent you guys a picture uh, Sunday morning. There he is, like, we're shocked, just shocked. And I think right. like 10 minutes before that, uh, Rob Domofsky at ESPN had reported because he'd been working on it in the morning. Like somehow they knew early 
long before the 90 minutes before the kick, the Bakhtiari was a no-go. If you're, if you're Matt LaFleur, whatever's going on, doctors, protests, whatever, this is one more damn rookie he's got to put on the field. I mean, he is right. frustrated with the lack of veterans that they're giving him to play with, and he's got to put Rasheed Walker out. That's what's ticking off the head coach. Mike, great stuff as always. We'll talk again tonight. I'm sure you're going to be inside the locker room. Do you expect to be able to talk to Bakhtiari today? It's up to Dave. It's up to Dave. Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't think I don't think the spin doctors are at work here, but how about 6.30? Is that okay? I'll check in after practice for then. Sounds great. We'll talk to you then, buddy. Talk, talk to you then. Bye-bye. There you go. That's our buddy Mike Clemens joining us for a couple of minutes, brought to you by our friends at the Bay Motel Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable. And all you got to do is go to baymotelgreenbay.com, call them 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. That's baymotelgreenbay.com. There you go. That's it. That's it. Interesting stuff from Mike Clemens as uh, he said, it's uh, the spin doctors are not at work. It's now up to Dave to kind of put a, put a stymie to all of this stuff. So we'll see what actually happens. Hey, uh, if you are looking for something uh, coming up, if you get into the holiday spirit, I, I just saw a friend of mine put up a Halloween tree, like a Christmas tree, but it's a Halloween tree. I kid you not. Uh, and then cannot wait for Christmas to get here. I, I, slow your roll, man. I, I just I can't even wrap my brain around it yet. But there are people that are already making plans, and some plans would include uh, great music. And if you're looking for really authentic Christmas stuff, uh, maybe the Irish side of things, Irish Cultural Heritage Center, the ICHC, that's the place to go. Check out their entire lineup. But I'm looking forward to, and I know I'm looking way down the road, but as we start to turn the corner back into St. St. Patrick's Day, Cynthia is coming to town, and I can't wait for that because that's going to be a blowout there. That's going to be an all-out just party at the ICHC. But if you're looking for great holiday stuff and something different maybe this year, go to ICHC.net. That's ICHC.net, or get a hold of our buddy Corey, 414-345-8800, 414-345-8800, and the Irish Cultural Heritage Center. A couple of segments to go. Stay tuned. More after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. couple of segments to go before we get out of here great stuff today thanks to mike clemens for joining us don't forget coming up tonight six to eight it's going to be the bill michaels huddle we're going to be back at it hear a lot from inside the packers locker room the coaches and such also start to make our picks and look around the rest of the nfl recap last week's game look forward to this week's game so a lot going on coming up tonight six to eight on many of these same stations and on youtube facebook and all that kind of good stuff uh marty says uh, where on youtube marty Go there and subscribe. Go there and like us. Go to YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash Bill Michaels, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S, Bill Michaels Show, and you can follow us. You can subscribe, and it's free. Uh, so I always say subscribe, and people go, oh, what does that cost? It doesn't cost you anything. Just click on subscribe or follow or whatever, and then just uh, when we're on, just smash the like button, man. Smash it, pound it, eat it, bang. 
do all that kind of good stuff, and you're good to go. So thanks, uh, thanks so much. Um, this one, this is Thomas says love has a rod buried so far. Now I know he's kind of got the LOL behind it, but I. It's like you're trying to will him to be better than Aaron Rodgers or a Hall of Famer or something in that sense. Um, I just let it play out, man. Let it play out. Just, we'll know. We'll know. Take it easy. We'll know coming up what, what he's all about and what he's got. So I'm not overly concerned about it, but just kind of let it play out. I, I get what you're trying to say. But um, sitting at one and one. Pretty good defense, all that kind of different stuff. Yeah, you know, is what it is. We'll see. Uh, Pac-Fan says, here's the thing about the field surfaces. How many stadiums are funded with public money? How many of these cities, counties, states that fund these stadiums are doing so after they were told the stadium won't just be used for eight football games a season and that when they put down a versatile field surface, they'll be able to host a lot more events throughout the year? That's true. That's true. Um, but I think Miller Park probably, or American Family Field probably hosts the same amount as Lambeau. They're both natural grass surfaces. Uh, and you don't see big concerts coming in to say, you know, areas. I mean, I know like even in Chicago, they have some concerts. Taylor Swift played there, and there's a couple of bigger bands that played there. But stadium tours are... Man, that's, you know, unless you get really big, stoic names, you don't see a lot of those even anymore, you know? There's, um, there's they, certainly a lot more events at U.S. Bank than Lambeau or yeah. Soldier Field. That's a building that yeah. was designed with lots of things in mind, not just football, unlike maybe Soldier Correct. Field or Lambeau. Correct. Um, but that's also a dome. That's also a dome stadium, a dome place that you, you can do those bigger things there on the consistent uh, you know, so maybe summertime, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, you could do something like that at, at, at Lambeau if it was a different type of field surface. And, but they don't do a lot of them at, you know, American Family Field. Then again, it's not heated, uh, not the way it, you'd like it to be. I mean, those stanchions that, that are out in, you know, left center and right center, though, those areas are open. So you're always going to get that brisk, cold air in there, no matter what time of year it is. No matter how much you crank the heat up, it's still going to be cold in there. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, they still do it. My assumption is is they play those stadium gigs either at, say, out in Phoenix at where the Cardinals play, which is State Farm Field or something like that now, or at Chase out there. Um, I, I don't know. That's a great question. That's a great question. When you talk about the public funding side of things, how many more concerts and stuff they're going to get out of that. But I don't know. I just know that we don't see much, whether it's Camp Randall. And you would figure, look, if a, a, a big thing was going to come, that maybe Camp Randall might be the place to go on one of those type of surfaces, and they don't do it there. I don't know. That, that's a really good question. U.S. Bank they've been really good with. I agree with that. They do big tours, big country tours and such that go in there. Yeah, that's true. And he's right, Camp Randall doesn't sell the beer there on campus, so that's going to be out. So, I don't know. That's a good question. 
you know, are they using are they using MetLife Stadium a lot? Are they using you know up in Buffalo? Are they using Buffalo's stadium a lot? Are they using? I'm trying to think of the other ones that actually because uh, Paycor, which is where Cincinnati is, and they just had the Taylor Swift concert, and then they do a a jazz festival there over a couple of day period, but that's about it. It's not like they use that a lot down at down at uh, Paycor. Um, well, that's a good question. I have to take a look at the overall use of some of these fields and stadiums is the reason why. But, you know, I mean, remember back in the old day when it was AstroTurf, the AstroTurf, where it was just the turf with a little bit of padding underneath it and then the concrete or the asphalt. Now, at least, it's supposedly a better and softer and more versatile surface and such. And, God, they have, what, turf field in Seattle, turf field in New England, turf. I mean, you can start to go through this list of fields. There's a lot of them, man. You have to rip up a lot of them if you're going to go to all grass. It's a good point. We'll wrap things up. We'll talk about that coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Stay tuned. This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 9.30, 2023. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Uh, boy, we got a lot of a lot of little stuff to get to. Um, and, uh, I do want to get to, uh, uh, I do want to get to, uh, uh, some other news and notes. Uh, by the way, the Dartmouth coach, now I don't know if you know him, buddy, uh, T-Vans, uh, but he, he, uh, Eugene, they called him, uh, buddy, uh, but he ended up passing away. He was in a bicycle. I think it was a bike accident and, uh, had some complications coming out of that and ended up passing away today. So man, uh. The Dartmouth football programming reeling a little bit after losing their head coach. Uh, another piece of news, and I don't know if this is part of – let me see if we bring this up in what did we miss because I want to get into that. So let's start with Grant Bills and what did we miss today. What are you thinking? Well, just a couple pieces of news. One piece of baseball news, it looks like Shohei Otani, he had surgery, he left the team, and his yeah. goal is to be ready for opening day next year as a hitter. So he is either foregoing being a pitcher or he's going to rehab while he hits. I know some people wrote on this and talked about it and said, well, if Shohei really wants to continue being a two-way guy, then he should maybe take next year off. Not going to be the case. He's going to play next year, and his goal is to be ready by opening day to hit for whatever his yeah. new team might end up being. Right. Um, yeah, boy. 
you got to – that's such an incredibly tough decision because he wants to continue to hit and continue to add value, but also, man, you want to make sure that he takes care of the elbow because he's he's a very dynamic pitcher as well. I That guy's got so much money laying on the table right now, it ain't even funny. So. Right. <laughs> You know, it's just it's crazy the amount of money that he could possibly make. And, uh, you know, they always say that when you get this surgery, this Tommy John surgery, that, you know, a lot of times you come back with more snap and more more movement and such. And can you only imagine him getting better because of the surgery? I can't. But I mean, my God, between uh, the capability to hit the baseball and be able to throw it as well. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. So he's just going to basically be a DH next year. And then on top of that, he'll be a pitcher the following year. So, you know, I guess I guess in the in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to hurt him to swing a bat. At least you wouldn't assume so, you know? No, it might not be the best thing for him to swing a bat, but I guess the experts, and this is from Ken Rosenthal, saying that he wants to hit through it while he rehabs his arm. So that's a little update on, <laughs> on Shohei Otani. Still be one of the best hitters in the world. I wish we were all that versatile, right? You know? Right, seriously, I wish I had that problem. Uh, a bit of Saints news. This will matter for the Packers. Marcus May, their starting safety uh, suspended the next three games for performance-enhancing drugs. This is from Greg Amon, our guest yesterday. He led the team with seven tackles in Monday's win over the Panthers, including a sack, and had six tackles and an interception in their opening win over the Titans. He had yet to miss a defensive snap in two games. So an important huh. Saints starter yeah. going to be unavailable Sunday. Not there. Uh, what, what else do you have? Anything? Or I have, you, you I have to... one more thing. This is a quote okay. from uh, Chris Russo, Mad Dog Russo, on first take this morning. Uh, This is him outlining. I'm just going to read this to you. This is his plans for Saturday. Are you ready? I'll get a run in. I'll take the two dogs for a walk at about noon. I'll sit down, make an early cocktail, cut a gummy in half. We get Florida straight Clemson. I like Florida state quarterback. Let's do something there at 325. When I'm sauced, I'm not driving anywhere. I'm in the house. I put the call into fat Rob. I'll put the call into Rob. Rob, you know what the hell? I can't root for Oregon. I pretend on TV. So put 10 dimes on Colorado, which is 10 grand, I believe. And Dion, let's play the game. So by 325, I'll be sitting down in my boxers with a t-shirt cocktail and I'll have the other half of the gummy. (laughs) I don't know what compelled him to share all that, but I I was just wondering, Bill, does your Saturday afternoon look anything like that? Okay. Uh, No. Uh, But, you know, wow. Uh, All right. (laughs) Just in case you needed to know what yeah, was going on I, in Mad Dog's Well, I, the, the gummy thing I can look past. Okay, whatever, because I think we've all tried it at one point or another. But uh, sitting around in the boxers is the visual I did not need. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out there. you know. And the fact that he's got that kind of you know cash to just drop the 10 dimes on a game, that, that's pretty convenient as well. I, I would sports. imagine he's making a ton between Mad Dog Sports Radio and his podcast and now working on ESPN and hanging out on first take. and. You know, I mean, he did everything that would say he was taking Molly Queer and with him, you know, but uh, man, okay. Chris oh, Mad Dog Russo. That's all done. I had. I wanted to share that quote yeah. with you. Uh, I will be cat sitting my girlfriend's cat this weekend. So I, I probably oh, yeah, okay. won't be. And I, I'm not betting $10,000, cat or no cat. No. Just, I don't know that kind of change. No, I don't I don't either. Saturday, I'm probably just going to kind of take it easy. I don't know what I'm going to do Saturday yet. I can't even go. I, I know I got dinner on thir- on Friday night uh, with some friends. We're going to dinner. But I, I don't even know what I got going on Saturday yet. Uh, one other pieces of news and notes. And this, is again, goes back to when teams try to control things. Uh, a reporter from Southern Cal and the news group uh, was suspended from covering USC football for two weeks. They say he viola- violated school policy. You tell me. You've got a couple of freshmen standing near the media, talking, having a conversation, saying that they're nervous about talking in front of the media. They haven't done it a whole lot. And so one of these reporters, the Orange, Orange County Register, 
uh, Luca Evans is standing there, one of the reporters who they know, and he's talking to them. And they're talking to him, and they're having a conversation, and they're talking about being a little bit afraid to talk to the media and back and forth, blah, blah, blah. So he thought, that's a pretty cool piece, that these guys, you know, being in a big-time football program, are nervous about it, so he wrote about it. Because it wasn't within the media segment of practice, they suspended him. He even got quotes from the players' dads who thought it was pretty cool. It was a harmless story, didn't divulge anything to do with, you know, uh, anything with the game plan or anything like that, just something that they had not done so much in their careers, and he thought it was kind of a human interest piece, and, you know. But USC claims that he violated the policy that prohibits reporting on anything outside of an actual media availability. So they hammered him for two weeks. Fair or not? Now, this is Lincoln Riley throwing his weight around. This is the kind of stuff that that Nick Saban does down in Tuscaloosa, where if he, he reads something that he doesn't feel that you should be reporting on, he'll hammer you and just suspend you. And, and others have tried that in the past. The Orange County Register says it's a huge overreaction by USC. They could have just merely talked to him and said, hey, it's, it's not a big deal, it's not a bad article, but, you know, hey, let's keep it to inside the media, you know, you know availability only. Uh, and they didn't even appreciate the piece. It was just a piece about two guys being a little bit nervous to talk to the media, but said that they disagree and they are fully behind the reporter. USC says we're not given an inch. The coach feels that uh, media veils are just for that, media veils, and nothing outside of that. So there you go. Big-time college football. You better obey or they'll kick you out. That's why I think part of that, I don't think you should ever be able to kick out the media unless they're doing something incredibly derogatory to you or your organization. I just think that's garbage. And I think it was a pretty cool story, too. Okay, that'll do it. But speaking of media, this uh, this particular media member and uh, my, my partner over there, Grant Bill, is going to be joining you again tonight, 6 to 8 this evening. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. We'll be uh, live and in person right back here in the studio. And uh, Mike Clement's going to join us tonight. We'll talk more about everything that goes on uh, after practice today and from inside the locker room. Until then, time for us to go. Have a good one. Hoops!